Hey there. This episode originally aired on my Patreon many months ago, so some of the information might be a little bit outdated by now. If you'd like to check out episodes as soon as they come out, you can join my $3 tier over there, or you can subscribe to check out full episodes coming here eventually. Either way, the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pat's Creative Podcast. Uh, episode... I should really think about the episode number before I get into this, but that's okay. It doesn't matter what episode number it is because it's going to be a special episode either way because today I'm joined by a very special guest known as What Up Nico or just Nico. Nico, how are you doing today? Can you introduce yourself for us? Sure thing. So um, my name is Nico. Uh, I'm going on the internet by the username What Up Nico. This was like, you know, a trend on Twitter back in like 2012. I thought it was hip. I, uh, I got asked one day to stick to it. So... I kind of kept that name and um, I am what some people would call a freelance graphic designer. I sometimes go by names like Twitter artist, um, very rarely UI designer, which I find weird. But um, basically, I design all kinds of assets for YouTubers, whether it's merchandise, it's um, what is it? It's a logo, it's YouTube assets. It could be an intro, basically anything visual representation. That is the kind of stuff that you I uh, I've been doing over the past, I'd say, seven, eight years or something by now. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And you've been on the scene for so long now that, like, I, 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 you were probably the first graphic designer that I knew by name just because back in the day I watched a lot of channels that had your work on it. And I would, I saw that, like, cons I feel like your work is what defined, like, the professional YouTube artwork for me because I just happen to be so involved in that sphere. And chances are, for those of you watching this, chances are you've seen at least one of Nico's works right, like somewhere on the internet, uh, even if it, you didn't re recognize that it was his. But uh, you're kind of like like a almost a, a foundational graphic designer in like the YouTube gaming community because you've, you've had your artwork shown like on so many different channels or whatnot. Um, and I think that might be just kind of a, a cool place to get started. Like, how did you get so involved with all of these different channels and doing artwork for them? Like, what what kind of puts you in the realm of uh, the YouTube branding graphic designer, if you will? Yeah, sure. So um, back in 2013, this was at the time when um, I'd say uh, Hidden Block was, was being shaped. Hidden Block was basically a... Um, a, a multi, I would say like a multi-channel, basically like a group of people that collaborated and uh, created um, YouTube content in many different styles. And uh, right. I was I was a big fan of that when I was uh, still living in the Netherlands. And um, I I've always wanted to kind of like contribute to a, a a YouTube community in the past. So I decided to um, to literally just send. Uh, categories at the time a facebook message because back in the day i think you could still do that but you could like just send a a what is it a facebook page a message and i literally just introduced myself and i said hey my name's nico i love your content um is there a way how i could help you out with maybe like some merchandising or whatsoever so i sent him a bunch of examples and uh as luck had it he he thought um my work was great and um, he wanted to do something with it. So we decided to make a bunch of designs, which was at the time was a design based off of a gag that he had with Hideo Kojima, which he called Hideo Freaking Kojima. So uh, at the time, I made a design for that. And that kind of, when um, Caddy decided to promote me at the time, he, he catapulted my career um, from... Yeah, fr from that YouTube video into into my Twitter, 
And uh, as luck has it, at one point I was approached by a Twitter user called Joey Razorburn. He's still around, um, by the way. And he was the first one to ask me, hey, um, great stuff you've done. But can you also maybe do like um, a logo or something for me or whatever? Can you make my video basically look right. better? And that, that was the first time someone was asking you specifically as opposed yeah. to you like asking them. Gotcha. So so when I uh, approached Caddy at the time, I was doing an educa uh, a, a degree in a multimedia design. And we were very specialized in print media because print media was uh, was kind of, um, you know, the popular thing in the Netherlands at the time. So sure. um, that was the kind of skill set that I was trained in at the time. So when when Joey approached me with the question of, hey, can you do something for YouTube? It was something I honestly never dis uh, thought of, like, exploring into. So, sure. yeah. So, so when I, um, so when he contacted me, I just looked at, like, the, the main structure of, a, of what I would like to call a, a comedic review video. And I noticed right. like, okay, well, they, they use uh, specific footage, like from a four three aspect ratio. And it kind of creates this like black backdrop. And that, you know, it's not inherently wrong, but some people would like to kind of like spruce that up a little bit. So I thought, okay, maybe he will need an asset for that. And um, what is it? Sometimes you see um, templates or thematics come back into thumbnails. So I was like, well, maybe... He could then maybe have a, a thumbnail where it's just literally like putting an image in and um, it makes the thumbnail immediately look better. So I just kind of went from there, uploaded that, and uh, as luck had it, loads of other YouTubers jumped on board of that. And I, I think what, what helped with that was that because um, there were probably people that did it before. And I, I'm not like right. discrediting them or anything. They've probably done amazing jobs by themselves as well because sure. i do see sometimes creators doing similar work fields and they are really damn good at their job right um, but it, it was still relatively new because of just you know youtube being new and, and those kind of requirements weren't really needed before that yeah right? you, what what you tend to see back then was was that there there wasn't really um yeah how do you say this um i i just noticed that there, there weren't a lot of people that um had, like, there weren't really like designers for this kind of stuff so sure. like i said uh before I've, I've always felt that i wanted to contribute towards gaming communities so i I, ju I just saw an opportunity i was like hey i i really like making these designs um people seem to need them and i was like hey maybe i could just you know keep going with this and see where it, where it's going maybe i could create a sure. career out of this and um what is it and do this for a living which would be amazing so I decided to, um, to to basically just continue from there on out, and more and more people approached me. And I, I think at the time it was just because, um, you know, th there were there's lots of like designers out there, but at the time it was just very hard to probably find someone that was specialized in yeah. that field. Because it, it takes very specific templates and, and even just design theories for that kind of world. And I don't imagine there were a ton of other designers doing that at the time. Yeah, at the time, they're, they're in that community specifically. Because, I, like I said, I do believe there were plenty of people out there that were doing it at the time as well. And creating probably much, much better results than I did. Um, and uh, I, I just think I, I was just very lucky with that in, in that regard. Sure. And and with regards, because you in these designs, you know, it's it's gotten to a point where you do a lot of stuff that's kind of specific for branding or whatnot. 
did you have a lot of education in graphic design branding specifically or is that kind of something you had to learn in the process of of these commissions or did you have it like beforehand so um when i did caddy's work at the time in 2013 i was just about to finish my uh, degree in graphic design and it was it was basically the kind of um typical branding that you would see with uh, with any formal company so you get to learn how to make a template for for letters for invoices for um envelopes you would le learn how to make uh banners and stuff so it was basically a lot of like a um print style that we practiced in and right. after that i was i was still hungry to learn more because i like i said i was really interested in um the idea of you know creating something bigger out of this youtube um stuff that i've sure. been doing so i decided to do another education um after it which was more specialized towards um a broader picture so like you'd learn 3d you'd learn to work with sound you'd learn to learn work right. with motion graphics and um yeah i i just did that afterwards so I, I did have a small background in it but eventually i also was like okay um once i've done this i want to get even better at that i want to just understand sure. what makes you know like thumbnails tick or what makes yeah. you know youtube videos work well right so uh and and is there any of like your older work for certain channels that you're like looking back you're like you know i probably could have done a better branding decision or something like i probably maybe could have cleaned that up or or presented that a little differently or do you find that it's just like um it, it all kind of speaks for the the work at, at the time and you don't really have to look back at it well what what you tend to see with with youtube channels is that obviously the landscape changes quite a bit i've noticed that sure. um a lot of people for instance there was a time when our cartoony characters were very popular to put in in thumbnails and then there right. was a time when um actual celebrity faces in thumbnails were more popular um i've also seen uh, people go the the route with custom thumbnails and try to put big text on it and i've also seen people try to avoid that and go for more like an artistic approach which is what you kind of see now with um essayists and stuff so um, mm -hmm. I do believe that what I made at the time for YouTubers, like for instance, Balrog, we, I think we redesigned like three times on his channel by now. Um, and when the first time we did it, like we, we just did from what we felt what was right at the time. And it was, it was a very new landscape for the both of us as well. So I sure. do believe that what we made at the time was, was the best that we could have done. Um, and yes, there's obviously like you learn things along the way and you could, maybe copy and paste that towards what you what you did back then um and i, I think is that's what you also see in those iterations of his design um for his branding sure yeah and um do, uh, do you ever like because i i okay, so i'm i'm majoring in graphic design as well and it's actually quite intimidating having you here just because uh you're actually a professional at the craft you know i'm still just learning but um you know Every once in a while, after after you begin to take a couple of classes and, and you get a little further along, you start seeing um, probably less than good graphic design around, right? And it might like kind of bother your head a little bit because you're like wanting to tweak it in your brain. Uh, wh what do you think are some of the most common like branding mistakes that you see in other YouTube uh, YouTube centric? Uh, branding i guess or or thumbnails and, and banners and stuff like is there something that reoccurs so often that you're like i kind of wish like they would fix that like they, that would stop happening or whatnot yeah 
That, that's a good one. Um, well, obviously, everyone has a, a different style and, and focus with, with YouTube. Sure. I've, I've always learned that with YouTube, I've always perceived it as there's two kinds of routes that you can take with a design. And that's like, uh, you see this probably with, with your graphic design education as well, is that you can kind of pl uh, please to the masses and kind of follow that so, you know, with like arrows and bright colors like you know like neon green or reflex blue yeah um, or you could kind of go a little bit more artistic or daring or a style that you you haven't seen um before so right. um it's it, but obviously that comes with the risks that you know you will get less clicks and stuff so it's, it's kind of sure. this it really depends on like which routes uh you take with it so sometimes i do see designs and i'm like oh that's Oof, that that outer glow is is, is huge or like <laughs> oh that that yellowness like where where does that yeah. come from it doesn't make any sense but um right. it, it just you know it does serve its purpose so it, it's hard to say but from what my if, if i if it comes to pet peeves if it comes to like tiny uh -huh. things that i wish i could tweak is sometimes for some, sure. something like drop shadows like i uh drop shadows are very popular effects and they they the purpose of them is to kind of separate your elements from the background to the foreground and right. um it's a very powerful tool it basically does the job for the most for most um, assets you want to stick on top of something but the problem with them is is that um sometimes drop shadows are very thick or very like dark and i i just feel that if you um just kind of look for more subtlety or approach yeah. more from the angle of okay when is the point that it serves its purpose so what i always do is like i put the opacity to zero which is the uh the, the thickness of um of the color to from something to nothing by the way sure and i i start from zero and i just kind of work my way up and it when it just serves its purpose i'm like okay i'll keep it there and right. uh sometimes you see people just go with 75 80 90 spread all the way through and it, it's just <laughs> right. it's so like ah oh, it's just like just it's as if like someone put a spotlight like right in front of the face yeah. of the of the asset and it's just it's a bit too much sometimes but that's like the only pet peeve that i see and um, sure. i do try to give um some of my 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 clients that i've worked in the past like some feedback like oh hey by the way when you make this try to implement this or try to use this complementary contrast like sure. i've done with some youtubes that um had um specifically branded towards mario kart wii content and the characters are very very bright like um you would have for instance uh mario would be like very red so i just said like sure. oh if you go that, that route maybe you should do a complementary contrast and try to aim for like a green background right. so that's when mario is visible on the front the background is a bit separated from that so right. I do sometimes give like advice to my clients in the hopes that they they, they follow that up. They follow but it through with it, yeah. Yeah, they follow it up in their designs, but it's obviously always up to them sure. what they what they actually do with it. Right. Well, and, and thumbnails are just kind of a tricky beast in general because you know I to my understanding of graphic design, a lot of it is just about the format which you present other content as opposed to trying to get readers into specifically looking at the graphic design itself i mean obviously there is artistic graphic design that exists as well where you can make some interesting things with typography but for the most part you know in in the commercial world you're trying to just present information right at least this is to my understanding I, this could just be the, an entirely fresh person saying this stuff but um with thumbnails though you're specifically trying to get them 
to not look at other thumbnails but look at yours right so when you add things like intense drop shadows i think your brain starts thinking like well black spots dry draws the eyes in or whatnot and that makes me look at their thumbnails but at the cost you might have a really bad thumbnail right or at least a not super appealing looking one um so i i think thumbnails are just like a, a bizarre graphic design beast because it's it's so compared to just all this other feeds of, of stuff and if you don't follow other trends like uh you might just get your thumbnail lost into the dust anyway um but yeah no i i agree like sometimes it's 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 a uh, it's like kind of like annoying when there's there's something that's totally against your graphic design instincts and you just see it like everywhere on youtube and you're like i just wish they would change just a little bit you know like maybe you don't need um a stroke and a shadow and a glow all on like one piece of text <laughs> or something like that you know yeah um, I, I I mean, I, I do respect, obviously, the, the choices that some people make. At the end of the day, it's their content and, and sure. what is it? They should do what they feel is right for it. So right. I, I, f I feel like it kind of comes off as entitled when you decide to be like, oh, no, 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 you should totally make the drop shadow more subtle. <laughs> right. So I try to kind of like look at it more abstract and kind of see like, what is it that you try to achieve with your thumbnails? Right. Um, because the, the beauty of thumbnails is that you can um do whatever you want with it in all honesty like for instance some people they put um the i don't i don't know which youtuber did this but there was a youtuber that put the the headline first and it was a it was a question so it could uh -huh. be like or a problem so they could bring something up like uh um why uh why this game is like non-linear and then the thumbnail would be the answer to it but they wouldn't like sure. exactly give you the answer they would kind of give you a hint yeah. towards it I've, yeah, I, I think I've I've always enjoyed that how with thumbnails you can create a level of tease where once you watch the video you understand like the genius behind it because but not not until you watch the video do you fully understand why they make those choices right it feels almost like um like a like I don't know something that's almost interactive in a way because you're <laughs> constantly thinking about like the the intricacies and whatnot yeah um but yeah and and you know like you said with just not uh trying to like put your own personal aesthetic over other people's thumbnails especially when youtube requires a specific set of thumbnails a lot of times right um like you know ultimately a lot of the creators there they're creating for the sake of their videos that's kind of what they see as their art form while the thumbnails is just a means to get you to witness their art you know so it's 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 hard to hold everyone up to a specific standard that you have right um but then again, there's also some people who will, I, there's this one channel I saw where he mentioned that he likes to make his thumbnails first before he does anything else for the video, because he can almost then build ideas off of the very thumbnail. And that's because he was a graphic designer first and video creator second, um, like going into it. And I always thought that was such an interesting way to do it because it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it creates a weird level of connectivity between like the thumbnail and the video that might not always be there. And I always thought that was fascinating, but um, yeah, I wish I could remember the name. I would love to shout it out, <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, it's just thumbnails are interesting, right? YouTube's interesting. It's, it's stuff's always changing. Different trends require different thumbnails and whatnot. Um, I, one thing I've been noticing a lot more lately is just still screenshots of certain games with a like kind of a, a statement title where it says so this happened dot 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 and then like it'll just be a, a still from a game and it will pop off it will just you know do really well so trends are always changing you know it's um it's kind of a bizarre field um but yeah anyway uh, i don't mean to stay in the realm of thumbnails forever it is something <laughs> i find interesting though 
Um, mm-hmm. Another question I wanted to ask you, though, is just, uh, you know, you, you work a lot with a, a bunch of clients and stuff like that. Um, how much does that differ between like working for clients or just creating your own art for yourself? Like, do you find it almost easier to create for clients because of certain direction that they give you? Or do you feel like your lack of freedom makes it almost difficult to come out with a product or what's your general take on that? Okay. That's quite cool because, um, so what I really, really love about, uh, working with YouTubers is that obviously they're creative minded people. That's the first thing. So, sure. you know, so a lot of things that, you want to achieve it's already very obvious you're both in it like together but what's great about working with youtubers is like it's almost like a collaboration it's like a duality it's um i I've, i always believe in if you want to uh, work with with clients with youtubers is that if you can find that duality and you're both willing to to challenge each other so when i make a design for someone and they have a very good idea of what they want and i'm like oh i can bounce immediately off of that i can see why you know why we're doing this commission why you went for this style let's do this and then i create something and then they'd be like that's great however there's a bunch of other things that you could add to that style or why don't you try this or try that and then sometimes you get like these these amazing designs that just come out of like proper communicating and trying to solve this this almost puzzle uh, together and uh that's what I really like, for instance, when I worked with Waleed in the past, Balrog, um, we really had a good dynamic with what he was looking for versus what I was uh, approaching him with. And sure. um, yeah, it just just that duality when, when that's there and you both have a feel for what you want to to create. What once the the best designs come out of that. So I I really like um, was it working with that with YouTubers, but when I work for myself. Uh, that duality isn't there and no one is really writing the rules for you. So it's incredibly liberating in the sense that you can create whatever you want, but at the same time, there's nothing holding you back from trying something else. Like, um, um, so sometimes for instance, when I did my, my Twitch streams, I, um, one of my friends, she, she drew, um, a chibi version of my head. And at the time I was like, Oh wow, this looks so cool. But, um, I still need to find a way to make Twitch alerts. So I didn't know what to do. So I just grabbed that asset. And I was like, what if I make this into like pixel art? Because I've always really enjoyed the idea of Twitch alert being like something more simpler and more, uh, first sure. of all, like more simpler and smaller things. So when you think of like, you know, a Super Nintendo game, that's quite, it's not, not inherently small, but like graphics wise, it is much, much smaller than yes. back then. So what I tend to do is my own assets is that I, I kind of look at what other people did um, for instance and then I'm like oh um, no sorry from when it comes to like what other people did for my for the avatar I'm like well, how can I kind of like embody that and make that right. something uh, interesting creative so for my own content it, it's so hard it's really hard to find uh, what it is that you're after but you tend to kind of yeah. levitate towards things that you already have or maybe something you don't really right. have control over because what that person made for me at the time um that was something i had no control over that just right. came in and i was like wow that's amazing do you mind if i you know go off of this concept and w- would you sure. be cool with if i try new stuff with that and in the end she was like yeah sure go for it to ama- uh, see what you can do with it 
so yeah it, it's hard it's it's really hard um when it comes to finding like the, the creativity for yourself and yeah. what you want to achieve right it's it's so interesting how much power collaboration can have you know because it, it you i think there's like a little bit of a stigma with um with art in general and that's because of of I think a lot of like the finer arts, like paintings and sculptures, where so many of it is done by like a singular person that I don't think people, um, outsiders at least, fully understand just how powerful collaboration is in the art field. Because like you said, you can find that creativity together and just having some form of prompt like you do with clients. I imagine even even though you have those kind of restrictions, it brings out more freedom from that. While if you're promptless, it kind of feels like you're just you don't really know where your end goal is. You don't know where your starting part is. You don't know where the journey is. And it's, it's how do you fully focus on, on making something that way. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the problems I sometimes have with, uh, with clients, cause, um, this is just advice for, for those who, you know, venture forth in, uh, I'd say honestly, any creative media online sure. when it comes with clients, but, um, some people will sometimes approach you like what I like to call like as a, as a carpenter or, a hairdresser like hey i've got a problem could you help me with this and then what tends to happen is that they kind of drop the project on you and sometimes it works like sometimes you kind of have a feel for what they want to go for but because i am let's say quote the graphics guy they will come to the graphics guy if they need graphics so what what happens is that i have no real clear idea of what this person wants they kind of right. know that I've done things that they enjoy in the past, but they don't say that. But because they have a problem, they approach it like, hey, can you just fix this? And right. uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I feel that with those commissions in the past, they, they really tend to just flop or fall flat. And sure. I think when you collaborate with each other and you try to find what it is, um, that the person is after and you, you're being honest with each other with the feedback like hey why don't you try this let's try that let's see where this is going that's when you get like the best kind of projects sure. so i feel that um you know sometimes you you do be you get approached by people that um just really want you to kind of make them look good and that's yes. completely understandable but um you need something to be to base it off of. Like, right. I, I can't guarantee that something will look great if all people offer is, I cover Nintendo games. Could you could you right. just make something like that? Can you just make something Nintendo related? Because it's inevitably going to be red. It's going to have, yes. you know, the, the arc from Nintendo probably around it. It's probably just going to have a, a font that I, that I found online. And it's just, it's just... There's no creativity to it. It's no sure. like it's very hard to bounce off of that. And I I, I right. don't you know, I don't think those are the the kind of projects you want to, you know, deliver at the end of the day. You want to create sure. something new and enticing and, and interesting to people. Right. And especially in today's day and age where where anyone can be a YouTuber. I mean, great. That's great. This is a great thing. But you know, if everyone is uploading Nintendo content and that's the only idea they go off of for branding themselves then naturally if someone requests that from you they're just going to end up looking just like every other nintendo channel out there yeah. right um while youtube you know what's great about youtube as opposed to other places of releasing art is uh is the individual aspect the idea of personality being intertwined with your content that you don't normally see in theaters or you don't always see in I mean, I guess you, you still see it in movies, but, you know, 
what makes YouTube great is the individual aspect, right? And if you don't tap into that and put that into your branding, then naturally it's going to put more emphasis on just the interests as opposed to the personality. And if everything is based on the interest, turns out we share a lot of interests and you're going to see a lot of the same stuff out there, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, I, I think that's great advice. And uh, this kind of segues into another thing I wanted to talk about because um, you uh, you also have experience with working with a team, right? Because you you were working with Yogscast for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, I was, yes. How how does that kind of compare to just regular commission work? Like, was there some good things and bad things about that? What, what's your kind of take well, on that? Well, the when I was at the Yogscast, I was a uh, an intern at the time because, like I said, I was um, I wanted to kind of like venture forth in um, in design for YouTubers. Sure. So. Um, Initially, I dropped a message at um, someone on, on Twitter, and that kind of went from finding someone that Yoxcast might be able to help. Because at the time, I wanted to uh, live in Bristol as well, because that's where the Yoxcast is located, by the way. Sure. And um, yeah, w when I when I came there for for four months, it was um, it's kind of like working for a client, but more on on a full time basis, if that makes any sense. What was what was interesting about that environment was that you know uh, normally when you work with with YouTubers you, you kind of just it's like a one-on-one -on -one relationship and it's just sure. you know like like kind of how we are talking right now so it's it's more like through chat rooms and and that kind of stuff but now this was actually like an actual office with actual creators and right. everything was tailored towards that so it, it was very weird to see you know a department for for everything so it's imagine right. like um, well, you kind of see this with with now with Gerard with the completionist as well. He has also like his own departments. Sure, it's, it's very fascinating to see, um, what is it, um, a studio where you record games and then you have a computer and you have like Elgato's hooked to it and then you have another room for uh, presenting and you have another room and it's just one giant wall and it's just a gr a green screen. So when I when I was in that environment, it wasn't that much like different from what I normally would do um, with um, with designing, but it's just, it was so fascinating to see um, all these creators and editors and all these like uh, right. famous other people just come along and, and work together on this, this, this uh, singular goal of creating content. And that right. was, that was the most fascinating thing about it. It's almost like, you know, a, a kid's dream coming true. Right. Uh, also, my favorite thing at that internship was they had, they had two fridges, and those two fridges were always full of soda. I've always ah. wanted, I've always wanted like a mini fridge that had unlimited resources of, <laughs> of, of of soda, and they had it. That was my favorite thing about that. There was a lot of cool things about internship, but that was one of my favorites. I mean, that's all you need, really. You don't even need an <laughs> office space as long as you got a fridge with endless soda. You're set. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. So then, um, did you enjoy like? Uh, it, would you say being in a, a personal proximity with people is, is that uh, do you feel like you were more creatively driven because of that as opposed to just working one-on-one -on -one online or whatnot or like which style do you think you kind of prefer um as an interesting one um I, I i think as long as that duality is there that's that's what's important so whether sure. that's in the same room or online it, it, that doesn't really matter uh what i do notice and that's just you know a little pet peeve i i used to have this one colleague that um 
that used to work next to me. And this person um, always looked over my shoulder when it came to like thumbnails. So sometimes it was very annoying that when you're working on something that they look at that and go, hey, yeah. Uh, could you just uh, just quickly fix that? That just looks a bit off. Or, oh, you, you forgot to cut out this bit. And I'm like, yeah, but this, this, is, this is a work in progress. I'm busy with it. I'll <laughs> yeah. come back to you like in five minutes or something. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe that. But for the most part, it is uh, it is a lot of fun to work with people online as well as you know, sure. in the same environments. Right, right. And I, I imagine just having the opportunity to do both is, is very helpful too, just to be able to see both realms, right? Um, yeah. Cause like, I, I, uh, I know that there's a lot of people who, who can work much more efficiently and keep their brain or head clear if they're working, uh, kind of at their own pace and collaborating on their own, on their own time. While there's other people who kind of need that constant engagement from other people in order to be more productive. Um, and I don't think either way is better. You know, I just think some people adjust to different styles better, but ultimately, uh, it, the, I think, like you said, the important part is just that collaboration, that open dialogue as to what you're trying to make and whatnot. Um, but I, I have another question that's going to kind of change gears, okay? Uh, this sure. is not something I, I don't normally ask questions like this, but I thought I would try it out because I thought it might be fun, possibly funny. We'll see. Um, so obviously, you have to work with a lot of creative cloud programs, at least I assume, unless you somehow managed to do everything yeah. without them. Um I'm curious if you could give me a ranking of the best to worst Adobe Creative Cloud programs. You don't have to do all of them if you don't want to, but I'm just curious like where you would rank. If we imagined like a tier list, you know, you could do it that way or something. You don't have to go super in depth. You don't have to go super shallow. (laughs) I'm just very curious. Okay. That's all right. Um, Well, uh, where to start? So for the most part, I work with uh, Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, after effects uh sometimes premiere and um yeah i'm not really gonna count media encoder uh (laughs) yeah because that's just literally like that's like rating a screwdriver it's like this doesn't make sense to me (laughs) but um yeah i'll just i'll just rate those then oh yeah and audition so my absolute favorite software to work with is uh has to be illustrator i i absolutely love the idea of rather than drawing lines you're more working with shapes so sure. it's, it's a little bit it's not like claymation not like zbrush style but it is more um yeah if it makes any sense like you just you keep drawing circles and you kind of make a, a weird shape or you make a star and a square and you you kind of just build off of from there and um it it's so interesting to see how what people can achieve with that because um, right. When you work with vector files, you are incredibly limited to some of the effects. And that's sometimes very hard to explain to uh, clients and, and people that want vector logos specifically that sure. you know, this effect looks great, but I can't put that in vector because it is just the way how these workflows work. So sure. when you see someone make something and you're just like, oh, that's made in vector, by the way, that's like how did you do that <laughs> how did you achieve that like sure. looking at those gradients that's crazy so right. when um uh i did the vector projects with the with the logos uh, i did like a massive project where i traced over um loads and loads of like super nintendo logos and uh nintendo 64 logos because if i wanted to do game preservation so i have right. i've worked thousands of hours in illustrator by now so yeah, I I love working with that one. Sure. Uh, I'd say immediately after 
uh, comes uh, Photoshop. I really sure. like working with that one as well. I I wish that Illustrator had a recovery mode sooner because I've lost a lot of hours as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, and those I I I think I've lost probably two weeks in my life or something <laughs> by now, but just are, not pressing uh, was it Control S soon soon right. enough. Are, are you comfortable between switching the two? Like, I mean, I, obviously you are, but like, do you still find like annoyances and differences in keybinds and stuff? Or have you pretty much ignored this, it at this point? There's this flipping thing with, with Photoshop where make, putting strokes around something makes the edges rounded on the, on the sides. Whereas um, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, yeah, I, th I think, yeah, I can't really grab this shape. But um, when you look at this shape, for instance, like they have like these rounded edges around them sure. rather than it's fully straight. Uh, on it and Photoshop always does that for some reason and if you right. want to kind of avoid that you'd have to, you have to create a shape and then pack, grab the stroke function in that put it on the inside it's just it's some of some of these functions that are so like simple and obvious right um, require like a, a different workflow sometimes and I don't like that but yeah. luckily lots of people struggle with the same kind of issues and sure. you can find a lot of things online on it yeah i'd say it, after that i would i uh, would say after effects i love after effects it is okay like the the ultimate goal when it comes to design because it is massive it i think you could put decades of effort in that and you'd still not have fully sure. explored the possibilities in it um and then premiere because premiere is just it's just a beast like the, it yeah. keeps it keeps going it, it it works fast. Um, it is reliable for the most part. I think my partner will disagree with that though, because she works with <laughs> videos every single hour of the yes. day. It's, so... it's very reliable, except for when it's not. That's that's <laughs> yeah. how I like to describe. Yeah, it. for for the uses that I had with it, um, because my videos that I've made in Premiere have never exceeded ten minutes. So maybe sure. I just were very lucky with it. But I can imagine that. Um, for some people, it's more than that. And then probably audition, but that's more because I'm not really into like um, that much doing with audio. Um, but I do really enjoy um, software like Ableton when it comes to like live streaming. Sure. You can do a lot of like, you know, weird, funky voices. Right. Well, and, so, yeah. and, and all these programs, you know, they are like master programs. You can kind of master your craft in all of them, right? Um, but if you're comparing them, like, what do you think? which one do you think functionality wise you have, you struggle the most with? Because I know like uh, after effects is something that it feels like another language to me when I'm used to working with premiere and then I go to after effects, you know, the, the entire layout and timeline, everything works so differently to where it's like functionality wise, it gets me all frustrated and whatnot or InDesign, um, That's another thing where it's just InDesign doesn't transfer so well from like Photoshop or illustrator because there's so many different kinds of functions. Is there one that just still like functionally bothers you? Oof! Yeah, now now that you, I completely forgot about InDesign. You know that because obviously <laughs> I work with I work with YouTubers so much right. that InDesign is not that relevant to me. Sure. Um, but you can make some really really cool presentations with InDesign. Right. I was really surprised about that back in twenty fourteen. But yeah. you can also make really cool things with all the other programs too. <laughs> yeah. So if you're comparing them to each other, you know. I, yeah. I have a I have a hard time giving InDesign too much credit just in that front. I mean, obviously by itself, it's a great program, but yeah, you know, I, I, I just I, functionally I it that, doesn't translate to me very well. But I feel that InDesign is just very um, 
well, it's it's not really cumbersome, but it just requires so many clicks to get the things that you want. Yeah. It's like it's like holding a a fragile box, and you try to you have to carefully yeah. put it down, carefully pick it up, make sure that everything is like all right, placed uh, well placed in the box and stuff. And it, yes, it's, it's so so much management. It's like a simulator game where you have to like one of those gag simulator games where you have yeah. to press an input for every finger or whatnot. That's what it yeah. feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I was more well. thinking of like SimCity for some reason, but yeah, I see <laughs> I see what you mean, yeah. I mean, there's just so many different pull-down menus you got to navigate in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mean to stay on the topic forever. I just thought it was interesting. Um, one time, because, you know, I'm a super cool person, I decided to make my own tier list of it. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to ask an actual graphic de- uh, an actual graphic designer to see how it compares or whatnot. Um, but yeah, we can kind of move on to the next topic. Uh, something else that I wanted to ask you is just like, because you have so many different projects that you work on and you kind of work on more than just singular images. You work on like a lot of whole packages and, and full themes and tonalities. Um, has there been like one of those projects that really stands out to you more than the rest? One that you've remember fondly that you feel like creatively was exciting and just how it turned out was great. Was there some form of almost magnum opus amongst your work? Oh, Oof. I know uh, it's a tough question because yeah. ideally everything you make, it's like you want to be satisfied when you're done with it. But I just didn't know if there's one thing that stood out for any other reason, basically. I, I will be honest with you. I probably do, but it's very hard for like for that to immediately come sure, to my mind. I'm, sure. I'm literally on this monitor looking at, what is it, the stuff that I've made. Well, sure. obviously, I've, I've mentioned it before. I'm, I'm really proud of the work that I've done for, for Wallet in the past because I, I collaborated with... Um, and I'd say like yeah, two D animator called Pop Up Game Time, and he um, he did a fantastic job in uh, in animating it. But sure. when it comes to like my my opus, my like my, my my work, I'm the most proud of. Um, oof, there's there's a lot of projects that I'm proud of for different reasons, but the one sure. that I would go for is the one that took everything together for me, and that's probably right now. Uh, is the friendly broski, which was a, a YouTuber that uh, wanted a Twitch channel branding as well, and it it took so much out of me. Like I had to um, animate rain and animations, and um, we right. had to make different kinds of overlays, and he had to have um, lots of different files that he can edit as well. And it, it was probably like the closest I've been to like a. I, I would say like a, a company client because usually sure. when you work for YouTubers, they are, are much more practical. They just like, hey, if you just give me the logo or just a, a high-res PNG, we're fine, we're square. I don't right. need to print it out everywhere where I go or sure. I don't need to have 15 versions of it uh, for different functions. So when it, when it, I had to do his branding, it took a whole lot out of me to just nail every single thing because yeah, there, there was a lot to it. Um, and if I had to put another one in there, it's probably sure. the Podiots. So when I was at the Yuxcast, um, there was this little team with it, which is now a split between um, Michael going to another company and Triple Jump, by the way. Uh, but they used to have this podcast called Podiots. And um, they um, were looking for, they had like this amazing podcast, but the, uh-huh. the style for it, I, I always felt like, you know, you can do more with 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 the podcast format because usually when you look at podcast formats, it's just um, an image. 
And that's respectable because, you know, as you can know with your show, it it requires so much editing for for a show that people 90% of the time are probably just listening to. Right. So I was looking for something that was going to, um, what is it? Find a way that Michael can just, you know, grab the source files, like the, the audio files and just be like, bam, put it in this filter and it works. It's pretty much like right. a thumbnail in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, so I created these, um, these almost like South Park Canadian uh, mouse that basically every time when an audio free, oh, is it an audio decibel came in, they would move a little bit. Sure. So let's say if the decibel for, for the voice was higher, but let's say for instance, they were talking at, uh, I'm not really, to be fair, it was just like a high number. It would go like that, like that. Right. So sure. if they were just talk, they would just move like this all the time. And if they weren't talking, it would just stay right. flat. Right. So I, I recommended that all of them had individual microphones, stay away from each other far enough so that you can record each other. Sure. And then just convert the audio frequency into numbers. And those numbers can be converted to motion. So sure. every time when they just... Um, well, is it they just talk? They could just put that in the video and done. So, and it created sure. these like amazing um, art style, which was always moving, always talking, always something was going on in it. And I, I think that was something I was really proud of at the time because I, I achieved something that initially looked like it was impossible to me. Like, how can you right. make something look like there's a lot of effort put into it whilst there's actually not a lot of effort put into it. Right. That that yeah. struggle, that like, how can you make it visually interesting the whole time, but it isn't like I'm editing it every 10 seconds. How can you right. achieve that? So, I yeah. mean, trying to manually keyframe that sounds like a death wish. You impossible. Know? Right. It's impossible to do on a weekly basis. You would have to hire three people for that. It's, right. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I had to do something not to the same extent, but relatively similar recently where I... I, I'm working on another another podcast show where it requires someone who uh, doesn't have a face cam, in which case I use um, an, an artist rendition uh, that represents them. Uh, and then also um, I need to have their mouse that move automatically to, like you said, like like the, the sound bites or the, the DB values and stuff. So I recently had to set up keyframes for every single you know DB level and then just have it cycle through a different pre-made mouth picture that I already had using like a Photoshop file of layers and stuff. And it is not, it's not pretty. It's not like an easy <laughs> thing to fully set up. So yeah. but your sound's even more difficult because you had to actually add an analog as to how like high the mouths go, right? Mine yeah, just cycles so, through pictures. Yeah, so th- the trick how it works is that um, the, the mouth can, what I did is I created two shapes. So like you have the head and you have the mouth. Uh-huh. And like um, what I what I said to the, to the property is that um, the mouth can rotate from here to here. And that's like, that's this is 0% and this is 100%. Sure. And I said, if the decibel hits, if you, and, and I was like, then I, I converted the decibels in After Effects to numerics. So I'd say like, hey, if something is very loud, it is, let's say, 16. But if something is very quiet, it's 2. Sure. So it would convert those audio frequencies from once, uh, was it like every maybe like say half a second constantly. So then you'd have two, 16, five, eight, and it just keeps going like that. Sure. Then I grab those numbers and I say in an expression, yo, if you have 16 on that, it's a hundred percent. Right. But if it's eight, it stays 
halfway through. So right. if they're talking like this, it just moves like this. But if they suddenly start sound to be loud, it moves right. like that. So it, it kind of did the trick for it itself with, for that reason. So, sure. um, and I think what also works with it is the art style itself because um, the art style is deliberately very simple. And sure. when something is very simple, it requires uh, a lot of interpretation. So you you look at it and you go, okay, I guess those are the eyes, those are the mouth, those, that's the face. Sure. So the brain kind of does all the work for the designer. Whereas right. if you go for realism and you go for that, like actually it looks like the muscles are moving and stuff, people are much easier to spot uh, mistakes with it. Right. right. So it, it kind of, it is allowed for the mouth to sometimes maybe be a bit glitchy or sometimes sure. move a bit bigger than it's supposed to. Right. And, and was... Was there formal inspiration for those choices, or is that something you just kind of came to after seeing the visual style? Like, is there something else though that you were inspired by to make it like that? Well, um, well, there was there was a show on uh, on at the Oxcast at the time that did a similar thing, and that's what kind of inspired me to do it for the the Vidiots show, the Podiots, as well, right. because I felt that. Um, that what the videos were doing was amazing and i felt that they deserved better than what they had so right. i um so i just went along and i decided I, I literally just started to design things for them and i was like hey what do you think of this what do you think of that and um i wanted it to be something that was simple was detailed um and something that would give them a, somewhat of a visual identity and and sometimes you know um I, I hate saying this because, you know, I wish there's always an answer for something, but sometimes sure. you just look at something and you go, I think this would work for this. And right. uh, yeah. and, I, and it needs to be manageable. Like, I need to make sure that Michael, if he wants to add something to it or he wants to bend something or he wants to remove something, he can do that too. For sure. So, yeah. It's, um, what is it? Sometimes I just create things by based on my gut feeling and sometimes I right. create things inspired by, by things that I've seen before. And, um, yeah, sometimes the stars just align in a way and you're like, oh my right. God, this is amazing. Let's, let's keep going with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just the, that's the process. You know, sometimes you just see something, you envision something immediately that you know is going to work. And then other times you really have to like take a lot of steps to find what you're going to do. But ultimately if the end product's good, the end product's good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that might be the most in-depth I've gotten on the show about a particular craft. And I'm very glad we did because, um, you know, like this, this is the kind of stuff that I would love to listen to. If I heard someone talk about this on a podcast, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to write this down. Like these are tips and tricks that'd be helpful to know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I've, I, I saw it from your demo reel. I admittedly haven't seen the podcast, but it did look very, very well done, very clean. So congratulations on that. Um, we're going to kind of start moving on into some more closing questions. Uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, something I like to ask all the guests that I would like to ask you now is just how have you been creatively affected by everything going on in 2020? Um, has, have you been, uh, feeling like you need to create more because of everything's going on? If you felt more creatively burnt out, has there been any changes in your workflow basically? Um, well, for what I've noticed is that um, a lot of my other freelance friends, they um, that aren't really focused on YouTubers. They had a lot of like drops in in clients' work because their client workers could be focused on festivals, TV sure. production, and that requires obviously people to be in a room, and that was complicated. So I was I was incredibly fortunate to 
to not be that much effective in regards of client numbers. But sure. the the thing that um, affected me the most when it came to, to 2020 was the fact that, uh, uh, yeah, the, the fact that, you know, because I, I live with someone else over here as well, my sure. partner Rosie, and she, uh, what is it? She's now obviously here as well, which means now you have to work together. You share a lot of things more. Um, and um, it's it's weird. Like now suddenly you have more company because normally she would, she would have to go to her job. Sure. And I would stick around. And, um, you know, that, it's, it's weird because it kind of inspires you more in a, in a weird way. Right. So it's, it's that what, what changed a lot for me because uh, she does um, video editing and presenting uh, for a living. So to see her tackle this topic and we're working together, that kind of creates this this weird collaborative effort that yeah. uh, that came out of all of this. Um, in regards of the work, like obviously, you know, you have your like everyone has been struggling with um, with you know, with their mental states. Like obviously, sure. not going out, not being able to do the things you're normally supposed to do. Um, for me, for instance, what affected me personally was. Um, I am a European in the UK, which means that, you know, there was this whole climate in the, with the politics going on. You also have the fact that, you know, I want to see my friends, my family in the Netherlands. Sure. I couldn't see that. So it, it's, it was a, a lot of, like, not being able to see everyone, but yeah. at the same time being able to see my partner all the time instead. Right. So it, it created this... this this different dynamic for me with how I dealt with my freelancing and that emotion is, is definitely to be seen um, in my work for that year. A lot sure. more in the background, a lot more uh, busy with with designs uh, in, in DMs and stuff because normally I'm way more vocal on, uh, on my Twitter, but I've noticed that um, Twitter has kind of become this what I'd like to call like this 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 sniping ground when it comes <laughs> to commissions. So like every right. time when I I poke my head above the the fields and I I tweet something immediately I get sniped by by one of my commissions being like right. So where's the update? And I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, it's I I've noticed that I've just kind of been going more into my my own my own shelter for a sure. long time. Um, and I think after. Um, after doing that for so long, I've been slowly coming out of that again. Sure. So yeah, that's what's uh, been affecting me the most. It's just emotionally, I'd say. Workflow, yeah. I haven't really noticed that much difference because like I said, a lot of things I already do online, right. a lot of things I already make uh, from a distance, but it is definitely from you know what inspires you, the people the people that you're around with that inspires you. That's that lack of that, um, yeah, changes your, your perception on a lot of things. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, just being amongst another creative individual and how just, even if you're not working on the same project that can bring up so much inspiration and it kind of goes back to just collaboration, but even just collaboration by association. Right. And, and, yeah. um, I imagine like, you know, there's also probably some benefits by not uh, necessarily being on Twitter as much, right? Like um, I can imagine that kind of being a good thing as well, where you can just kind of hunker down and really think about like what you want to make and stuff like that. Um, I noticed pretty much every guest I bring on says one more like 
opinion about Twitter basically saying like, yeah, you should probably use less Twitter and stuff like that. So maybe maybe Twitter's not super liked right now. But um yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad for the most part though you've been able to creatively keep up with your work and whatnot. Yeah. Um and uh it's also uh you're fortunate to have another creative individual with you too. And um uh from what I've seen from your work over the last year, it doesn't seem like anything's deteriorating, right? It seems like all still solid work. So um, that's all good for you. Um, another question I kind of want to finish off with is just uh, if you had one piece of advice that you wish you could give yourself earlier on in your creative adventure, what would that piece of advice be? Um, so one of the things <clears throat> that I think is very important is uh, honest pay. Like if you think you're worthy of something, um, go for it. You will realize. You will very quickly realize that yes, there will be people that will judge. What is it? The amount that you ask for sure. a logo, a branding, an animation, or something. But there will also be people that are completely understanding of it. Um, looking back at the prices I used to ask when I started, um, compared to what I ask today, which I think is way more fair and has been able to, you know provide me with the space i am in right now sure uh i think that what is it? I, I wish i was more honest with myself about it i i had this this chat with another youtuber about this in the past where he felt like um he should have asked money for more things in the past as well because you, you tend to kind of see that um you you think that oh it's rude to ask money for this oh it's rude to ask more for this but you will see that a lot of people are understanding of your crafts and that's, you know, something, a good effort requires money for that. And I'm not sure. saying that like in a, in a greedy way, like, oh yeah, please, more money, the better. That's not what I mean. But you, this is a real problem that you see in this industry that a lot of creative people are too scared to ask the real prices for what they deserve. Right. A designer, for instance, could easily ask uh, 20 pounds an hour over here but a right. designer is not I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there because I feel that some designers are, are, are worthy of that and I think it's important that people speak up more about it um, so I, I wish that that I was more honest with that um, sure. I've also made mistakes in the past like I really looking back on it um, I used to put like my name in my brand in brandings that I did for people um, for those that are watching that I've done that for I'm really sorry I should have never done that I really disagree <laughs> with that decision as well. I think that is up to them if they want to sure. put uh, that in. So if I was, you know, back to me in 2014, I would have definitely said like, stop, stop putting your name <laughs> in everything. You're not, right. you're not the bee's knees. You're not, you're not special. Okay. <laughs> if they want to credit you, they'll put you in the description. Just, right. just be honest with yourself. And because one of the reasons why I did that was because I was like, Hey, if I lower the prices a bit, then I can get, what is it? Like, um, exposure for it in return because sure, sure. even though people make jokes about exposure exposure could lead to you know more projects i was like hey right. that balances it out but um yeah that was a decision that i i wish i never made because yeah, i feel sure. i feel like that um made people a bit like really why is that in here right. so yeah i mean and uh ultimately like you know, I think a lot of people are like do like to credit the artists behind the work, right? Like, I, I, I mean, the the reason I found you is through people crediting your work for the channel that they've done, right? Um, so 
I think, yeah, for the most part, a lot of people are understanding with that. And ultimately, you're making something that's for them and it's kind of no longer yours, right? And um, like, I, I imagine... I feel like- I feel yeah, like it's a decision. Uh, I feel like it's a decision that um, that they are allowed to make because right. the thing that I did is that I I baked it in the assets at the time, right? And I I hate that I did I hated that I did that, and I wish that I uh, I didn't do that because I've noticed that when I didn't started to not do that, people did it anyways. So people sure. just you know credited it me in either the end title card or they gave me a shout out or right. they put me in the description and i was like that is so much fair more fair like it shouldn't shouldn't have been like that sure so um yeah that's that's one thing i i wish i didn't do sure um because people will appreciate you for the the kind of work that you do yeah and i, Which I is think the great thing pay... about youtubers they're just super super supportive right over sure. over your work yeah yeah it, it's it's such a it's 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 like creators that that are, are so distinct from like creators of Hollywood or um, you know even just uh, contemporary artists and stuff like that. Like there's just a there's a big there's a there's a big personality difference it seems um, at least for a lot of them. Obviously YouTube is so big now that there's going to be people of all shapes and sizes. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you really I think the uh, it's really important that like you said with honest pay is such a big thing too because you know this stuff isn't cheap you know adobe is not cheap um living's not cheap uh but i you know i I think people get in their heads that because there's so many artists on the internet nowadays like in order to make people choose you instead of other people you kind of have to do less but ultimately you know um if you are making less than minimum wage then i think at that point you definitely got to step back and look really think about what you're doing right and uh it's a problem because if you if you offer services for a lower price or whatnot, it affects kind of the whole artist market, the whole artist mentality, because a lot of people are offering their services for much less, uh, when in reality that tends to hurt the whole market of artists, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Art, uh, honest pay is definitely a good way to go about it. Because, but, but also better understanding like your capabilities. Honest is the key word, right? Because you don't want to sell yourself for too much. Obviously, there's some people who have a much larger experience than you and um you know have had more jobs that kind of align with people's needs but being honest about what you're capable of yeah uh, and putting the right pay for that um unfortunately i think we are actually just about out of time here uh so <laughs> uh i appreciate you being on here though nico um of course i've i've uh i've been a fan for a long time uh your work is very inspiring to me in both graphic design but also in just creative mentality and I appreciate you taking your time to be here. Uh, is there anything you would like to let the audience know about what you're working on, where they can find you, or uh, uh, just anything in that field? Yeah, sure. Uh, I just wanted to quickly say, because I think a lot of people probably probably comment on this, but these are mirrors, by the way. <laughs> so this like uh, my Sonic socks, by the way, over here. But yeah, uh, what is it? So these are just mirrors. So in case you're seeing something weird, that's what it is. We we don't have a green screen like uh, was it like you do very nicely in the background <laughs> to, to camouflage everything. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, you can you can find me uh, mostly on Twitter under the I was on a Twitter tag What Up Nico, um, and uh, yeah, usually what I post over there is uh, what is it my my design work. I like to ship post as well every now and then, which I sure. really enjoy. And uh, yeah, talk about creative stuff most for the most part. That's what I, I love doing. Uh, after all you're also streaming that's correct i used to stream i oh, want to okay. go back i gotcha. want to go back 
but I'm kind of like in the process of upgrading everything. Sure. So this this desk, this this tablet, um, what is it? I'm now currently saving up for a new computer and stuff. So yes, I will return one day with streaming, but that is not something I can guarantee between now and six months or something. <laughs> gotcha. But well, yes, either I way, go back. Um, I'll I'll leave the link to your Twitch, of course, in the description as well as your Twitter. Uh, and um, I want to take a moment to thank all of you watching for supporting me. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you'd like to check out anything that we mentioned in a more concise view, these will be uploaded into clips over on my channel. And um, of course, you can subscribe if you'd like to check out some other clips from other creators as well. So thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. See ya.